Welcome back to another captivating episode of Inspirational Journeys of the Best Minds presented by Emergy, a podcast where we explore the lives of accomplished senior executives delving into their personal and professional experiences that have left a profound impact on our present time. Today, we have the immense pleasure of hosting one of our most recent Emergy Luminary Awards winners, Eve Briante, the Vice President of Marketing, APAC at Colgate Palmolive. Emergy Luminary Awards recognizes professionals who are building communities and starting thoughtful conversations on LinkedIn. Eve has been with Colgate for over 24 years and has worked across all functions in marketing, including operations, innovation, design, and packaging. He currently leads the global transformation of creative effectiveness. Known for his empathetic leadership style, Eve is also an advocate for inclusivity in the workplace. Recognizing that the diverse perspectives and experiences are the catalyst for innovation, he champions a culture that embraces and celebrates differences. We are thrilled to have Eve join us on our podcast today. We will explore Eve's path to success and discuss pivotal moments that have shaped his career. Welcome, Eve. It's an absolute pleasure to have this conversation with you. Thank you. Very happy to be here. I'm very happy to have that this is in person in Hong Kong together. So that's amazing. Even if it's cold. <laughs> So I've been following your profile for a bit, and before we kind of start the conversation, one of my first questions to you is, how are you doing? I read your most recent post yesterday yes. on um, when you shared about your surgery, but how are you doing? So it's, uh, you are trying to get me emotional. No, I'm doing very well. Uh, physically, uh, totally recovered. Uh, so I'm in great shape, even better than before. I lost a few kilograms, but I've been trying to lose four years, so now it's down. Uh, and I still need to rebuild, rebuild the uh, emotion and the emotional part because it's, uh, it, it, was, it was a tough event, but uh, on the right path. So I'm doing well. That's wonderful. I'm very glad that you're back. You're back in Thank you. action with you know, your work as well and in Hong Kong. It was your first official trip, I think. Yes, it's the uh, first one. First one. I was scared. <laughs> so I'm, I'm okay. I'm alive. <laughs> so I want to start the conversation by maybe taking you, from your, taking you back in your early days. Yes. You know? Um, your formative years that have like maybe shaped the way you um, now are. Um, what was it that you wanted to be growing up, and how did that kind of translate into picking up your career path? Yeah, so um, uh, when I was a child, I was like I am today, mean that I, I was getting lots of ideas every day. So I wanted to be first a football uh, professional player. So uh, I tried, and then I stopped when I was 14 years old. Uh, then I wanted to be an airplane pilot. So all the jobs that really that the boys want to have when they are young, and then I wanted to take care of animals as well. And I never thought about marketing. It's what I keep saying. And when you are five years old, you don't wake up one day and think, "Oh, I'm going to do marketing." Uh, but uh, lots of uh, jobs where I had to move, where I had to take care of others, uh, animals or humans, and uh, and big challenges like football. And that's uh, that's that's quite a lot like the way I am today. Mm. So the other thing I loved was drawing. I love paintings, so I always love beauty, and uh, I guess that's why I chose marketing. So uh, the creativity, the side. creativity side of it, and uh, I was always passionate about beautiful things, uh, either in design or, or shooting a TVC, a, a, a film, and uh, that's why I, I decided to, to go for marketing. I was in a business school, I had the choice between finance or marketing, and the choice was quite easy. Wise decision. <laughs> Because that's what you know. You have two paths when you're in business school. So the path where you make a lot of money, finance, and the path where you do what you love, which is marketing. And uh, and uh, I, I think marketing is. Um, I always say, when people ask me, uh, "What are you doing?" 
what's your job? And when I say marketing, usually I get this weird face like, ooh. <laughs> because for two people, marketing is the science of cheating, okay. of launching products that are not true, not needed. Uh, while to me, marketing is the science of understanding others to help them make their life better. Uh, that's why I chose marketing, a combination of empathy and, uh, and, uh, and uh, beauty, ability of developing beautiful things, beautiful products, beautiful communication, beautiful whatever you want that you can do with marketing. I like the way you put it because even coming from a marketing background, I think that's a great way of like phrasing it in an eloquent way as well. Mm. You want to make people like, you know, misunder- misinterpret it. Never forget, it's, never forget what I, I tell all the young folks joining the team, uh, that your job is to make people's life better. And there are different ways through your product that will do something for them that they really need. Or through a communication, they're going to have fun, pleasure to watch. If you do that, marketing is easy. Interesting. And I also wanted to ask, um, where is it that you've grown up? You know, yeah. And how did you make that transition into Asia? So it's uh, I grew up in the suburb of Paris, not Paris. And it's important because I, I grew up in a place that was not super rich. Uh, so uh, I, I, my father was a truck driver. Uh, had a f- uh, we were five siblings, so we didn't have a lot of money. Uh, that's where I grew up. And uh, if I am where I am today, I'm convinced it's because of that. Mm-hmm. Because I grew up in a poor background, so I know what it is not to have money, not to have always uh, enough food on the table. And I'm now in a different background, but I'm bilingual. So I understand both sides of the equation, which gives me a, a, an additional empathy compared to many people. And what's something surprising you've learned about yourself throughout that experience? That it's not easy to move from one side to the other. Uh, I was a good student, so I had good grades. So I had the opportunity to join the best schools in France. Uh, but my parents told me not to, because they were convinced that elite were smarter. So they, uh, they, uh, they told me, don't, I, had, I got the best, and they told me, don't go there because people would be too smart. And, uh, and most probably you will not fit. So people don't realize, but switching from one place to the other, from one social background to the other is difficult. So we always talk a lot about discrimination when it comes to gender, uh, to uh, races, to religion, but we very often forget the most important one, which is social diversity. And, and it's a big one. So that's something I really learned. And, and, uh, and it helps me. I, I always try to remind myself of how difficult it is to climb the ladder uh, and to show empathy for people and to, uh, to think people have good intent. So it, it's not easy. So we need to be a little bit more positive to uh, each other. And when you came to Asia, yes. was that disparity still evident or was yeah. it a bit different? Oh, Asia is uh, massive from a diversity point of view. It was the biggest shock ever. I thought Europe was very diverse because we are different, we have different cultures, but come to Asia and that's a totally different uh, play, different game, it's first division. So cultural diversity, uh, development diversity, call it whatever you want. Uh, If you work for China or if you work for Philippines or you work for Thailand, it's totally different. So you need to be versatile and adapt your leadership style, your intellectual uh, approach, to, uh, to the area that you're focusing on. So now, like, let's transition to your role at Colgate. You know, what were some of the biggest challenges you faced when joining um, such a conglomerate like this? Uh, I'm different. Okay. So again, due to my background, 
I'm pretty straightforward. So I don't really understand what, uh, why you need to take care of politics. I do, but sometimes it's a bit annoying. Mm -hmm. So I think you waste time along the way and not uh, talking the, about the right things. Uh, I had to learn English. Had to. Yeah. I had to because, yes, I learned English at school, but it was very limited. So I made some terrible mistakes at the beginning that we could talk about when we will have a drink. But, but it's uh, <laughs> some, some, some mistakes I'm still laughing at today. And, uh, and my universe was quite focused on a small part uh, of the suburb in Paris. So I had to uh, become global. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and um, challenge what I had been told since I was five, that was not necessarily true about the world, about the diversity of the world, about why people are doing what they are doing. So to uh, become a global citizen was a um, part of the journey. Mm -hmm. And after university, after finishing your higher education, why is it that you chose an FMCG versus maybe another uh, industry for marketing? Yeah, at first I wanted to work for luxury cosmetics, mm -hmm. but then I decided to join Colgate because I had done an internship with them. Okay. And uh, I thought the people were really good and really nice and that I had a lot to learn from them. But my intent was to go back mm -hmm. uh, to uh, the world I like, which is uh, luxury cosmetics, because I really love the, I told you, beauty. Yeah. And I never quit. I never left because it's uh, the, the company offered me so many challenges so regularly every two or three years that I never get bored, got bored. Mm -hmm. So I stayed for 24 years. I quit one year. So for one year, I wanted to see if the grass was greener somewhere else. So I went to another company, but I came back because I was missing the smartness of the people, the kindness and the caring value that this company has. Wow. And do you remember any specific moment during this like your transition as well, that was a turning point in your career, and in such moments where you felt like this is kind of defining who I need to be. Oh yes. Uh, so I start, I told you I grew up. I grew up. I studied. I did everything in one place. I have two brothers, two sisters. They are still there. So I was not meant to travel. Okay. So one day it was like two three years after I started with Colgate. Uh, they called me and told me uh, we're moving you to the U.S. And uh, I remember I, had, I was not married at that time, but I was already with my future wife. And she was a student still. Uh, and I knew that if I would go there, she could not come. So I went downstairs and I called her. And I remember I still picture myself on the sidewalk crying, saying, they want to send me to the U.S. I don't want to leave you. I don't want to leave my family. No way I will do it. And she's the one who told me, of course, you will. You will go and you will, uh, you will learn, you will grow. And I will join you as soon as I'm done with my studies, and and we're gonna do that together. So it was really the I, I remember very well. I remember very well the moment when I was on that sidewalk. That's such a lovely story. Um, what's the most important thing you've learned in life, if I can, you know, in a broader way? Is there anything that you take away? It can be a couple of things. Uh, and, uh, right now, if you ask me, that life can be very, really short, and that uh, it's one 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 thing to say it. It's another thing to experience it. And uh, today, I, mean, you, I posted this uh, post yesterday on, on, on LinkedIn. So many people call me, uh, which is moving. And, and, uh, and I told for the first time in maybe one or two years to my best man uh, who is living in Mexico. And we were talking to each other. And we're like, why do we wait for you to almost die to call each other? So first, all the little things that matter a lot. I can make your life so much better. Don't postpone them. 
try to do them every day. Try to take the time to smile to people. Try to take the time to uh, please your kids, to to please uh, to your wife, to to do the thing that sometimes you don't think matter because they do. It's when you lose them that you realize how important they are. Second, people are nice. I don't know how many mean people you know. I don't know a lot. Uh, but too often we judge people too quickly and we forget that most of the time people have good intent or good reasons behind their behavior. You go to a restaurant, the waiter or the waitress is not polite. Why do you get pissed off? Maybe she or he just found out that he's sick, that he lost somebody or something bad happened in his life. So don't judge people. We're very quick to do that, especially now. Extremely quick. Like social media, when you're scrolling, you're constantly, quick. you know, having a judgment um, bias. Uh, extremely quick, and we and we have a lot of bias that we uh, we forgot about. And, and third, uh, there is always a solution to problems. Mm -hmm. So even when it's very dark, uh, when you don't see uh, the future, or you don't see the light, uh, keep hope. And uh, and um, when you're composed, when you're positive, you always find a solution. Not always, but most of the time. So be optimistic. I think this means a lot to even the listeners, you know, having you experienced something so recently, I think it's much fresher for you, especially just remembering it. So I think these lessons definitely do add a lot of value to a lot of people who are listening and tuning in. It gives substance to it. I, I, I said, I just said what I would have said uh, three months ago, but now I understand. You've gone through it, you've experienced it. You've gone through it. it so. I understand. That's something I really want to share with with everybody. Again, don't wait for you to be sick to have a very terrible event mm -hmm. to do the things you like doing. I think this segues perfectly into one of my questions on leadership. You are a big advocate for just empathetic leadership, yeah. and I think how you lead as well. Also, just inclusivity in the workplace. Um, but when growing up and as you progressed in Colgate, was what was the leadership things that you saw and observed that you either carried forward it or changed? I wanted to change. Yeah. The, the one thing I want to change, I still want to change, uh, is that people think they are paid to know and they are paid to take decisions. No, we're not. Mm -hmm. I think our job is to, uh, to, to um, help the team to first to put the right team in place. And it's a team that is diverse because when you have diverse points of view, you have diverse solutions. And second, we are paid as leaders to uh, help the team to get to a solution, not to find a solution. How many senior leaders do you know when they are in a the room, they need to be the ones taking the decision? Most of them. Most of them. So while our job is to get to the decision, but it doesn't matter who uh, had the idea. So that, that, that's really one thing. And the, the one other thing I've seen is empowerment of people. I, I had this, uh, this great boss who just passed away like a month before I had my, my, my accident. And uh, it changed my, my conception of, uh, of, uh, of uh, leadership. I was still quite uh, early in career when, uh, when he became my boss. And I was used to uh, leaders who will review my presentations before a big meeting. So I went to, uh, to him, Vangelis, uh, his first name. And I was ready with a presentation that, that I had to present a few weeks later. And he looked at it and said, what do you want me to do out of it? I want you to review it. He said, no, what for? Say because I will present and you will be in the room, so I want you to be comfortable with it. Say, yeah, but I trust you. So I have no doubt you're going to deliver a good presentation. Just tell me what your ideas are. And I told him, he said, yeah, I agree. Just change this one. Say, okay, so I need to change my presentation. Do you want to see it again? Say, no, <laughs> I trust you. 
So go ahead and present. So not only uh, I was grateful, but it was the first time in my career when I stood up, I was fully empowered, and together with empowerment, I felt a lot of ownership. It was my presentation, not a presentation somebody else wanted me to deliver. So I'm trying to bring that forward, and I'm trying to, uh, to, uh, to communicate that to my team. Empower them, making them understand that together with empowerment, ownership mm. is coming. And in your life or in your career, is there been like an influential idol or someone that you look up to? Um, whether you know this person in person or it's someone you know you admire. Is there anybody like that? Michel Platini as a football player. <laughs> Not really. I mean, there are moments. Uh, I mean, I always refer to a Steve Jobs speech at the Stanford graduation, which was an amazing speech, this idea of stay hungry, stay foolish. Yeah. Uh, this idea that you don't connect the dots looking forward, that you can connect the dots looking backwards, which is an amazing thought. So go through experiences, no matter what they are, even if you don't understand what you're going to do out of them. It's later on I mean, that you will, uh, you will uh, connect the dots and you will, you will realize what, uh, what the, experience, the experiences you went through are brought to you. So maybe Steve Jobs, uh, as a visionary guy, as an incredible leader, Tough, huh? Not an easy one, uh, but still, and when you manage to create Apple, uh, Pixar, and uh, uh, Apple 2.0, you have to be a, a kind of genius. For sure. Um, and you know, with the young talent entering the workforce on a you know yearly basis, and it's definitely getting harder and harder for them with just how many economic problems we're facing yeah. in the world. Is there any piece of advice that you would give um, people entering a space like this that's so competitive? Yeah, uh, you're smart. Your leaders are more experienced, but they are not smarter. Never forget about that. Believe in yourself. Have a vision for yourself. You, it might change, but have a vision of who you want to be 20, 30 years down the road and go for it. Dream big. Don't let people tell you that it's impossible. Like what they've tried and they failed. Yeah. Dream big. Pursue your, your dreams and, and believe in yourself. Uh, and, and I can't say it, it was where I started from. I remember a discussion with my mom when I was uh, seven years old, and she asked me, um, uh, what do you want to do later on? I said, oh, I don't know, but I want to make, at that time it was France, so I will turn it into a euro. I want to make one day 1,000 euros. Oh, she said, it's a lot. So I'm not sure if you, you can do that one day, so be careful. Uh, and, and I made it, and even more than what I thought. So you need to dream big and not let people tell you that your dreams are impossible to fulfill. And what is one thing you wish you knew before you started your career? This one, because maybe today I would be a football player. Because <laughs> I stopped thinking I, would, I could never make it. And, and now I'm like, maybe you could have made it. You still can. Yeah, it's a bit late. <laughs> <laughs> and I always end this uh, with the question the podcast is, if you were to win the lottery, how would you want to do it? What would you want to do with that time and money? Huh. Of time, I don't understand people who say I don't want to retire because I'm going to be bored. I have so many things I want to do. I like photography. I love hiking. I love traveling. I love cooking. I love my kids. So I'm, I'm, I have plenty of things I want to do. But uh, the, the, the one thing that as well uh, I want to do is uh, get rid of plastic. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it is, uh, especially when you live in Asia, you, you go to the beach, it's, uh, it's awful. And if I, if I could, I will dedicate my life to it, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to help this, uh, the new generation getting rid of plastic.
And before we wrap up, I have a question that I would like to know more from, you know, being in the marketing space and at Colgate, at a company like Colgate, is there any particular campaign you can tell us about that you worked on that you probably remember the most or liked the most? That's a good question. Um, I, I would say the campaign we've developed in, uh, for IPAC, it's been three, four years and we are pushing for it, which is about uh, uh, diversity of smiles. So to promote the diversity uh, through the smile and to empower people to smile on their own terms. Mm. Don't let other people decide if you can smile, when you can smile, where you can smile. And be proud of your smile. So the, we, I don't know if you saw it, but we, we ran a campaign for World Smile Day, which was really beautiful. We changed our logo yeah. because we realized that our logo, we, we say that and our logo is a perfect line. Yeah. So we started to, uh, through AI to collect uh, people who wanted to share with us their, their real smile, their real teeth, yeah. and to plug in the teeth of people in, in the smile and to tell people where you see uh, imperfect teeth, we see beautiful smile. And that was a beautiful campaign. And it was courageous because a, a brand that is promoting beauty, on the other hand, through whitening, uh, going out there and saying your smile is beautiful no matter who you are, uh, was a great campaign. And we, uh, we got fantastic PR. I mean, purpose-led Yeah. Yes. yes. Wonderful. Do you have any last ending thoughts for us before we wrap up this conversation? Yeah, I repeat what I said. Life is short. So dream big and fulfill your dreams as soon as you can. Don't wait for tomorrow. Thank you so much. Eve. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to have you on this podcast. And I'm really happy that we were able to do this in person here. Yeah, I'm glad to.